Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Unfiltered. I'm Yanina Doyle and um, unfortunately, I don't know, John, Jonathan Kleeman may be dead. We, <laughs> we're not sure. Where are you, John? Keep, yeah, where is it? Keep tuned and we might let you know where John is. But in the meantime, we have lovely Josh here, Josh Dunning. Thank you Hello. for coming. No, um, it's we, my pleasure. Cheers. We cheers. start with some wine. Um, obviously, no one actually knows who Josh is. Um, but, my pseudonym. Yeah, your pseudonym, Word on the Grapevine. So for anybody who is following uh, Josh, uh, a.k.a. Word on the Grapevine, you will see some fantastic content. He's one of the few people I know on Instagram that have done well without flashing their boobies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Although I may do that. Just haven't done it yet. Well, I can say for anybody, um. I, I'm looking right at them now. They're not impressive boobs. They're not going to get many impressions. The, so. You know, his humps, his lovely lady lumps or whatever, There's don't check them out. There's not much to see, to be honest. But uh, thankfully, his knowledge not is a little bit... Asset. It's not your strongest no. asset. No. But we're not going to talk about your other assets because we're not here for, for that. We're here, we're here for, for wine. Josh, what is the subject today? I think we're going to be talking about Barolo. He says think. We have two bottles of Barolo, so that's going to be the weirdest thing. <laughs> I think we were thing. going to be talking about Nebbiolo, but it seems like we've both brought, both brought Barolo. No, so. no, no. Well, we talk, talk, you know, we'll taste Barolo, but I think it's important as well that we talk about Nebbiolo as the grape variety. So, you know, the, the two famous regions... So stay with us. We're going to, we're going to discuss where you can get Nebbiolo from in general, what it tastes like, and of course Barolo is the king. The king the king of wines, the yeah. wine of kings, and certainly it is in terms of Italy. So Josh, where is where can you find Barolo? So Barolo is northern Italy. Yeah. Close to Turin. And sort of like Yanina said, Barolo is the king, Barbaresco is sort of famous the, queen, the, the queen. The queen, actually, yes. So yeah, the two are distinctly different for yeah. me. Barolo is a little bit more tough, a little bit aggressive. More mask. You don't like you. You already told me. I don't me mind off. using you, them. Oh, okay. I don't mind I using love them. I to describe how, things yeah, as so mas- masculine and feminine. But for I, me, for my palate, yeah. yes, Barolo is is masculine. Yeah. Barbaresco is is feminine. Yeah. It's a little bit more, a little bit prettier, a little yeah. bit more elegant, especially in the youth. For me, Barolo is a wine that needs. 10, 15 years of time. Barbaresco, you can have a lot earlier. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I have to say, and actually, I'm going to put it out here right now. I'm not the expert on Nebbiola because actually I don't drink that much of it. Um, Josh definitely does. So um, (laughs) we're going to quiz Josh more on his knowledge than than, than mine. But I actually have to say that I do think that they're they're harder to distinguish these days what with better winemaking and this whole... and And Barolo is changing. So actually, let's talk yeah. about Barolo. So I think what people need to so to first of all, we talked about that it's in Italy. It's in Piemonte, the foothills of the mountains in the northwest. Um, Barolo is really there's eleven villages, but yeah, actually five villages. are the main ones that people talk about. And actually, I think ninety yeah. percent of all the, um, the the actual vineyards are around these five. So we should focus yeah. on five. And you Definitely. can literally split split the whole of the kind of Barolo region down almost into yeah Um, and so actually ironically one half has actually similar soil it's it's the soils that really make the difference yeah it's the soils that I think distinguish the the differences the the Tortonian the Helvetian soils on the the east and the west side Mm -hmm. so you've got on the west Lamara 
Barolo, <laughs> and then on the east we've got Castellano Folletti, Sierra Longa de Alba, uh, Monforte de Alba. Yeah, and, and, and uh, Castilla, um, Castilla Leone Folletto is actually sometimes a little bit in betweeny, isn't it? It's yeah. right in the middle, so sometimes it's almost like, depending on where it is, there is a mixture of soils. But yeah, they are they the, the difference of soils makes Definitely. a big difference. The, the soils on the the east side are a little bit more compact. They, they they're take, older, they're, they're much older. older. The wines take a little bit longer to, to show, to come mm -hmm. to fruition. The wines on the on the west, Imbrolo, La Mora, a little bit more, pro I suppose approachable is a rel relative term, mm -hmm. Imbrolo, because I think approachable Imbrolo terms <laughs> means approachable eight, nine, ten Barolo. years opposed to 30 years. But, um, and actually, let's stop. I do agree yeah. with that. And we say approachable, I think we should explain, you know, Nebbiolo, which yep. is the grape variety of Barolo, of Barbaresco, the two most famous regions, is known for its tannin, acidity, balance, blend, you know, yep. whatever, however you want to call tough, it, which are big. Little, uh, it really, really is. And it's those tannins as well that one, obviously, really help it age, but at the same time, obviously, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's a, it's a bit of a powerhouse, isn't it? It's a powerhouse, yeah, ironically, always strangely elegant uh, and, it's, uh, and you always find pretty is a word yeah. that people people use to describe it yeah yet it's also this powerhouse yeah but um i think its origins are in piemonte so nebbiolo's I, origins apparently yes are in i have heard that and to be honest not only is the origin there um but there's very very little outside of Definitely. so you were hoping because just knows me and knows that I'm <laughs> I'm a new world queen in general um, so he was really hoping I was going to bring the curveball and bring like an Australian yeah. or something they, they've done okay or something like that but, but something California you know that yeah there is, you know you will find Nebbiolo in a little bit in South America and in Australia and in apparently do you know what it's doing really well in Mexico okay. would you believe there's actually some we did an episode a long time ago um, I think at the beginning of our second season on on Mexico because we had a Mexican guest and actually we talked a lot about there's, there's a lot of crazy altitude um, yeah. in Mexico um, which would explain why yes so well I've heard never taste it but I've heard that surprisingly it actually can grow quite well there um, but realistically there's you know Barolo being the king it is all about these soils it's all about the yeah. fog it's all about so Nebbiolo is this great variety that that like buds early um, and then it ripens late. Yeah. So it's the longest Ripens growing late. season. I think often a lot of the producers have already picked, fermented their Barbera yeah, and before they've even begun to pick the Nebbiolo. Yeah. So, and going back to the, the fog, I think for those who don't know, Nebbiolo, the name, comes from uh, Piemontese dialect Nebbia. Mm -hmm. which is the fog and when you are there and you're there in sort of September, October time you wake up in the morning you look out your window and you can just see the thick thick sort of shroud of fog that goes over the hills and you can see why that name why well, that name interesting you say to. that that's theory one do you okay. want you don't know theory, theory two because there was theory a, two? yeah because everything with wine and history you they, there's never there's always at least debates and exactly well unfortunately oh. i've only got a second reason for you today <laughs> so that's rubbish. the other one is that actually when they go to pick the grapes there's often a little white kind of powdery oh. cloudy style okay. 
thing on the grapes and so Which the idea is kind I've, of foggy like so they say that that is potentially the other reason why maybe it was called Nebbiolo however yeah 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 so that's the only other second I, reason that I've heard I was heard. thinking when you talked about when you talked about Castellona Filetta being close to the middle yeah there's obviously the vineyard of Canubi mm-hmm. which is which is a top top the Grand Cru sorry or yeah, Brico, however they call of, um, these kind of sites that are special. The Grand Cru of Barolo is Canubi. Oh, you're going to put it out there. You think that? I is, think it is. You think that's it? It is. But but Canubi is thought to going back to sort of you know people theories of why things are called things. Canubi is thought to come from the word Canubio, which mm-hmm. is the middle, and they thought it was a blend of the east soil and the west soil. Yeah. And that's why it was so good. And then others say it's nothing to do with that. It's totally different. So um, it, it's true. Every single word that you hear in wine, there's at least two, three different reasons why, well, why it's called Yeah, that. I suppose that's that's the interesting thing, kind of looking at the history, isn't it? Um, and, and we'll never know. We keep guessing. So just to, conf- just to finish, before we start, actually, let's taste some Barolo. Um, we talked about the two different soil types. For any of you kind of soil geeky people out there, um, the Tortonian soil that's on the west side, which is kind of, is the La Mora region yeah. um, and actually the Barolo region, yeah, that Barolo. is a, a kind of, it's a blue a blue clay. It's like a calcare, like a calcareous marl. Yeah. yeah, which is kind of, it's li- it's limestone and clay. Um, we like limestone. Limestone gives minerality and uh, good acidity. Limestone. We like, we like limestone. Limestone is in good vineyards, um, and, and and of course the way it is, it's not as old and it's not as um, I think uh, it's, it's a bit more compact. And anyway, it produces wines that are just a bit younger, a bit more feminine, a bit more fresher. And they are most similar, if any of you are wondering, to the soils in Barbaresco, our Queen version or Nebbiolo. Yeah. Whereas if you go across to the Helvetian soils of the Cerro Lunga de Alba, Monforte de Alba, and then of course that kind of mix is a little bit in between of the two, the Castiglione, uh, Valletto, um, you find the soils are much more sandstone and they are kind of, I guess, heavier and richer and they produce wines much that are... Much more condensed. Abs- absolutely. Um, so just so you know, keep that they generally do say it on the label. If there is a one word on the label, that's normally because it is the crew that we talked about, which often they call it Brico, as I just mentioned, and Sorry. So Brico, um, yeah. I might be pronouncing Sorry for you, for you Italians. But yeah, if there's going, any, anyone Italian sorry, listening, we sorry. are going to bastardise your language. But Brico is um, the, the 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 top of a vineyard, so the. You could have um, the name of the vineyard could perhaps be Canubi, and then Brico would indicate the top of the vineyard. Sorry, I think it's mean, a south-facing sunny site, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. So sorry in sorry in Thank God we have Josh. dialect would be the the top of the hill facing the sun. So, yeah, okay, Sorry, yeah, exactly. San Lorenzo. Sorry, Tilden. Sorry, Peyton. These yeah. are all the years before we had. Um, you know, consultant winemakers and consultant enologists. Mm-hmm. The the Vietnamese would recognise a good site by where the snow melted first. Mm-hmm, yeah. So these would be the vineyards that they called the Sori, and that would mean they receive the sun. Yeah. But I think now with some of these vineyards, places like Rabaya, then now with climate change so warm that they were previously the the Grand Cruz yeah. and the amazing sites. And now they're they're too warm and they're losing their elegance Mm. and now they're being 
other places like Monte Stefano are being preferred over places like Rabbi R. So yeah, I mean everything knows? everything is changed. I mean as well in terms of Barolo, this amazing site. I don't think anyone can can quite mimic it. Um, certainly not yet. They're no. trying. They everything's on south facing slopes. They need the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, so they're all on hills. They're planted hilly, in the middle of the slope. If they're not planted in the middle of the slope, they don't get the preferred uh, ripening that they need. So generally between yeah, 200, 250 metres up to about 450 metres is where these uh, best best uh, grapes are planted. And of course, again, you need to be above the fog line, really. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get mouldy grapes. So they are complicated. It's a, it's a princessy it's grape a, variety, It's a very Pinot Noir sort of... Uh, well, funny you say that. If all of it, Italy... Piemonte in general, but Barolo is the most burgundy of everything. And apparently, I heard. I don't. Oh, I don't. Totally yeah. I don't, first of all, apparently, the empire going. This is going back to history, and I don't know who it spread. There was before it went from kind of Piemonte area. Wine through, for normal people would answer us this wine question. For, yes, she she would know. <laughs> she would know this question. Uh, we're not asking you to go to that podcast, but probably if you can find the Barolo <laughs> podcast, she might be able to tell you. But um, I know that they basically um, Piemonte Jura kind of going up through France and then up to Burgundy was apparently kind of one region at one point so of course sharing techniques um, separating the vineyards into special selection using old barriques and all this and also families owning the property and actually when you're in Barolo very much like Burgundy it's really crew it is crew it's specific sites it's specific places very family owned you know a lot of kind of small smaller smaller plots and you know super mapped out and that's very burgundy like any serious wine geeks the the mga volumes okay volume one volume two mga now you've mentioned mga geographica agian something but mga basically stands for that the 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 specific crews acknowledgement that we're, of the I think it's the acknowledgement it's, of a site yeah so it's a spe- and it's a specific name so just like yeah. you might see a specific name in Burgundy yeah. being on the, one of the top sites the MGA that we can't quite clarify exactly <laughs> we got how two we, words we yeah, got two words yeah 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 um, MG, there's a reason why there's initials right <laughs> so you don't have to worry MGA is those those sites so when we mentioned yeah. Kanubi when we if you mention um, Brunate, uh, Brunate or Cerequio these kind of when you see them on a label that is a MGA and we'll leave that as it is MGA what's interesting in Barolo is the MGA denotes the recognition of a site but doesn't denote the recognition of quality the same way Burgundy does so Village Premier Crew Grand Crew Mm -hmm. that level of quality recognition hasn't been done I think it's done um, subconsciously in Barbaresco and Barolo we acknowledge that certain sites are better than other sites but in terms of a formal quality formal quality sort of I suppose accreditation mm-hmm. it's, it's just not been done yet I think the work is being done at the minute by Vin Italy and those kind of people but I suppose if you've been making site wine on a site that uh, you consider to be really good for a long time and suddenly someone comes along and says you don't meet the criteria for Grand Cru you're going to be 
little bit, little bit upset. Hell, if you're yeah. if you're Angelo Geyer and you're making Oof, uh, yeah. Costa Rossi and someone tells you it's only Premier Crew. Well, Angelo, so that's always good just to mention Angelo Geyer for anyone who doesn't know. I mean, he he put Barbaresco on the map. Um, he's a legend. He also makes wines in Barolo. Of this is Geyer spelt G. A J A. A. Um, he also makes wines now in Maremma, uh, down in Tuscany. Um, Which I haven't tried yet. Oh, they're fantastic. Um, and of course, down in Maremma on the coast, uh, they have a, a real kind of juiciness and much more fruitiness. They're much more approachable, um, but that have some decent power, um, and also a hell of a lot cheaper <laughs> than you're going to find in some yeah. of these Barbarescos. And actually, funny enough, he um, delim- delimited. I don't know. Is that the right word? Yeah, he did. Um, pretty much all of his wines but one so to on the, the, the Lang uh, DOC um, yeah. which covers the whole kind of area that Nebbiola grows in kind of in Piemonte mm-hmm. because he was fed up of the kind of people actually yeah, and, and, and also label. and he didn't like that people were kind of going oh this one of Guy's wines is like the basic one this yeah. was one of his issues yeah. he was like they're not basic none of them they're are all, basic all good wines. but people were kind of going because he had like a flagship then people were like saying so in the end he just got sing tight although apparently his daughter now as of maybe 2013 I'm not sure now she's kind of taken charge Apparently now she's reinstated everything. Reinstated, so now yeah. from the, from the newer vintages, from but the bottles. John, rest in peace, John. <laughs> we don't know where you are. John um, always says the funny thing is that Gaia, Gaia, Angelo Gaia does not have a website. So this this okay. this amazing famous one of the top wineries in the world doesn't have a website. And apparently he said you will not have a website until the day I die and apparently he has said he knows that as soon as he dies he's pretty sure that his daughter well, and the I nephews of it are all like they've prepared a website already second. are you going to google it? I'm going to google it because she might, I mean she's taken over the property just before I last went to Piemonte yeah I contacted someone at Gaia right do you think that is there a website now? and there Wait, it is but what is it, is it actually a functioning all website? all it has is an email Nothing yeah. More. Okay. So, so I emailed them last time I went um, about visiting, but you're right. There's no information, that, no and, nothing, and just a front yeah. page that says Gaia. So you um, can email them, and that's it. That's so it. I'm pretty sure, and that might have been around for a while. That's it. He does not want no. a website with information on his wines, and he doesn't need it to be honest. Enough people are writing no. about his wines, um, and I suppose it, it goes into if you're, exclusivity if you're a, wine a little bit. Like me, last time I was there, I searched for the sites and went and found them and visited them yeah and, yeah yeah but you're right other than that you really can't find any real information on yeah. the, the wines where do they come from yeah. where are the parcels where's the grapes it's, it's just not ready like, which in one way is nice it is nice but for people who love wine remember and this is it's new different. world all the way there's no secrets it's kind of come yeah. here this is our back door this come join do. us uh, taste as many of our wines and this is the tourist package if you want to come here stay here it's a lot harder with the old world yeah. so it's harder to get to understand so um, pour yourself a bit more wine because you've been drinking it all I have I have, I have. I have brought Fontana Freda um, Fontana Freda you, they have a, I've got enough wine actually I'm, I'm not drinking as fast as you are um, they're famous they have lots of different wines um, and their basic label doesn't have stripes but the kind of the next one up which is what we're drinking has these kind of silver and white stripes I think they do some wines with it's blue and white stripes but they're very iconic so they're very easy to find on a shop shelf um, and the wines that don't have stripes have got Fontana Freda in much bigger much bigger yeah letters, they do so. don't they you can't yeah. and actually Fontana Freda the reason I wanted to bring Fontana Freda is that 
they um, were actually pretty much one of the oldest wineries. They, they, they're still really, really iconic. Yeah. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the best. I think there are other wineries that are way smaller doing some really special things. But I do think that they're super reliable and I also don't think they're that expensive for what think, they are. I, I think, think they're an affordable the, luxury. Given that they are a huge winery, they're, they're, they're probably, I think you said earlier, third, fourth biggest biggest producer mm-hmm. somewhere. They still maintain a very good quality. They make. Fontana Fre- yeah. Fontana Freda makes about 8 million bottles of wine because they don't just do uh, Nebbiolo. They, it's ridiculous. They, all, no, they also do um, Barbera, Barbera um, yeah. Dolcetto. They do other great Which is varieties. great as well for anyone listening. I, the, I the whole love of Piemonte. And love you, Dolcetto. Dolcetto is almost like if you like soft, if you like kind of Beaujolais. In fact, if you oh, like yeah. juicy New so, World Pinots, Dolcetto will be delicious. Um, Barbera. Is is more muscly and more full body, but also has really soft tannins. If you like Merlot, you like Barbera. Yeah. Um, I love Barbera. You really don't I have to wait so. around for that. Barbera de Asti, Barbera cheap. de Alba. It really the price is awesome. Yeah. Um, and whilst we're on the subject of Piemonte in general, I adore Arnez, which is a white grape variety um, that's always kind of like pear and hazelnuts, or it's got a real bitter almond finish, and it's delicious so um, check out all the grape varieties Gavi de Gavi Gavi the Cortese grape which is the way I I like to say is a um, better quality uh, Pinot Grigio (laughs) sorry now people are going to come and scream at me not the Pinot Grigio is terrible uh, from Veneto I'm pulling the face Uh, if anyone can't see well let's I like to say Pinot Gris is decent (laughs) Pinot Grigio is Uh, anyone who doesn't understand that come and ask me and I'll explain it in more detail but we're talking about the standard pick early uh, to have a bit more acidity no flavour tastes yeah. like water with a bit of lemon juice um, <laughs> Gavi de Ga- Ga- like Cortese grape which is from the Gavi de Comune uh, Gavi um, is like that but actually more concentrated more citrus really fresh great barbecue wine yeah uh, nice aperitif so um, Piemonte you can't go wrong right so getting back to Fontana Freda this is from um, Serra Lunga de Alba um, this is not a crew wine it's not the Brico or the Sorry they they have done a blending of their their various different parcels absolutely which is actually the traditional way to make wine so there are advocators unfortunately I think they've said most of the advocators um, have now have have, have passed away Um, just last year who died Um, uh, Giuseppe Rinaldi yeah, unfortunately, and they, they, he, they always said he was this. For anyone, obviously, the, the family's still carrying on with it. Of course, remember, Barolo ages really well, so you've got at least another 30, 40 years to enjoy all of oh, this wonderful wines. Many years. Many Especially years. Rinaldi's. Rinaldi's wines are uh, very long living. But he was a perfect advocate for. I don't. I want to blend across the vineyards because that gives me the best expression of Nebbiolo. Yeah. And it's a much more traditional. I'm sorry, modern thing to now say. Right. This says Cerequio. This says Roche dell'Annunzio. Yeah. This is much more modern now to to just do site selection. That's probably a good point to jump in for. I suppose there's there's two distinct styles of Brolo for anyone listen who doesn't know much about Brolo it goes back to a point where the, the the sort of road for Brolo split Brolo stereotypically was very very tannic very hard to approach when it was young and then the the Barolo boys mm-hmm. came along Elio Altare and uh, and Gioraboskis 
came along and they really split and created the traditionalist movement, which changed from these large Slavonian oak body, the, yeah, um, the, really the cold big, soaks, big. the no, um, no no green harvest. And super, super long macerations, even super up to like 50, long we're talking like up periods. to 50 days yeah. of leaving the skin on the grapes, yeah. which is crazy. And these guys came along and created this traditionalist movement, which was, you know, it involved Elio Altare chopping up his father's body. The modernist movement, I was like, modernist hang on, <laughs> the, yeah. the complete opposite of the yeah, traditionalist sorry. movement. Yeah, the modernist, the modernist movement. movement. They came along and created the modernist movement and they, they started using, you know, the, the, the French oak and the, the green harvest and they started to focus on the, the crew. And you, like and you said, changed. so many people were like taking chainsaws, weren't they? Yeah. To so literally Elio Altare chop- chopped up his father's body to make space for. Was he the was the, he was the, he the father that kind of said, "Over my dead body, yeah, will I he, let you?" He cut him out like, of his will. And yeah. now Sylvia, it, I think, not to go off on a tangent, but something that I love. About, we love going <laughs> off on tangents. Here. Something that I love about Barolo Barbaresco, particularly Barolo, I think is. There, there are so many amazing female winemakers that are sort of Yay. almost pioneers, and Silvia Altare now making now making wine for in the for Elio, and then there's Isabella Ardero. Mm-hmm. There is Chiara Boskis, who has been a complete for me pioneer in in Barolo and in organic winemaking. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much going on in that part of the world, and it it doesn't seem to make it out as much as perhaps it could. When you walk around the supermarkets, mm. you know, we were talking about Dolcetta and Barbera. For me, these are wines that most people would love as easy drinking wines. Yeah. But they don't seem to quite make it out of um, Italy outside of wine lovers. Um, I think that Italian grape varieties are complicated. Yeah. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, when Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon and Pinot Noir is grown around the whole world, mm-hmm. um, everyone knows that it's going to be easier to sell those grape yeah. varieties. Uh, sorry, point. in Sidar and whatever. And of course now Malbec and yeah. whatever. Um, so when you start, I mean, and, and, and we come to the same thing, which is that when you see a Barolo, you don't know that that's Nebbiolo. When you now people have started to learn that Burgundy in France is either Pinot Noir Pinot for Noir. red and and sure. Chardonnay for white. Yeah. But even then, that's take. A, you, I still question people. Oh, you like Burgundy? Do you know what grape variety it is? No, it's it's still not yeah. a thing. Um, and so, Italy has. I mean, I don't know. I Italy has people, so. I still get people who say they don't like Chardonnay, but they like Chablis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. because they like that flavour and they yeah. don't realise. But I mean, I've heard something like. I mean, there's definitely at least like 500 indigenous great varieties or something of Italy and they don't know because I suppose yeah, we, we had an Italian guest on one of our podcasts and we were talking about Abruzzo and that was earlier in the season and he was saying that they did this thing I don't know if it was on the radio but they were trying they were saying to people let us know if you've got any hidden weird grape varieties and people were basically finding grape varieties in the garden submitting them and they were like oh yeah this is blah 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 you know and and, exactly and, like that. and this blah 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 is literally one hectare in the whole of Italy but that's now a great variety of it you know it's yeah. a concluded great variety of Italy you know so they're still finding new great varieties all the time so it's just something that people like to stick with something they know right Absolutely. and that will always be Italy's yeah. challenge you know down in the south Aglianico um, would be an, is an awesome great variety but people don't that I mean that's that who knows when that will ever have its moment probably not ever um, so let's drink 
Sarah Longa yeah. Alba. I've already been drinking it. 2014. I just want to thank um, Wineapp. I'm actually I'm going to give them a shout out. Um, they are our. They. I'm going to unofficially give them a sponsorship spot. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out in a bit as well. So uh, are can, we going to get? So this is my shout chosen out, yeah. uh, shout out. Um, Wineapp are fantastic. You know why? Because if any of you don't realise, download it's at get wine app um download it um you can literally if you're in zone one and two of london and you need a bottle of wine in less than 45 minutes you can order it and it will appear these guys are sensational they have a cracking which makes me very jealous well good news everybody i know that they should be opening up something in manchester and there is talk um obviously josh uh, wine app if you're listening josh is from birmingham can (laughs) can you please set up shop in birmingham so if you do need anyone to trial that service in birmingham okay there we go we've got a job for josh but i know that their plans of expansion because this is where we are with we are too lazy we need things now millennials millennials are outrageous and i can say that because i'm an elder millennial that makes me a better millennial than the younger ones apparently um because i still remember dial-up and also not even having internet and and i remember having a snake on my nokia phone and that was the only game you could play um so i remember these things so as an elder millennial i have what they call perspective right um with my perspective i think that nowadays it doesn't matter we need wine and we need it on tap now so i just imagine good wine as well by the looks of your bottle so. uh, absolutely so this um this uh fontana freda barolo serralunga de alba um i got for 39 pounds from wine app um for all you guys who have girlfriends that are demanding you plan a date and at the last <laughs> minute they say what are we doing for our anniversary it's today and you say oh fuck you can literally plan a little picnic I mean we're getting into the winter now so no you can't but no in the pi- summer no you can plan a picnic order your get wine app, your wine app from get wine app and they will have you a bottle of wine and bring it to the picnic in less than 45 minutes I mean they are covering your ass they're stopping you from getting broken up they're getting you a second date they're getting you a second date absolutely <laughs> they get, wine app is getting you laid yeah potentially I don't and, know whether they're going to use that in their marketing well and so yeah <laughs> <laughs> but Yanina's used it anyway, so... Wine up gets you laid. Uh, you hear... Uh, you hear, you, you heard, heard it, it here first, first yeah. absolutely. So uh, anybody who's interested... So this is lovely. Anyway, so let's, so so thank you, uh, Wine Up, for having delicious wines. We appreciate that. Um, and for £39, as I said, um, Fontana Freda is just... Um, these wines are affordable luxury, I think. Yeah, I would so agree they, with that. So definitely not the, definitely. the, the best it's not best. Your, it's not your... Certainly not your average wine. There's there's some complexity and it's very elegant, but but like you say, for thirty nine ninety nine for me that is yeah. affordable luxury. It's so, a very very good wine. So Nebbiolo in general, the word roses and tar. That's a very typical descriptor. They always got and some tar is perfect for this wine. Yeah, I was going to say like a hint of licorice, but definitely for me, yeah. you always get red fruit generally um, with yeah, um, nobly nobly. That's nobly. my new word for that's my new word for Nebbiolo. Uh, I haven't been for those who that like much. an abbreviation. Yeah, nobly, nobly. nobly. <laughs> Just to confuse the hell out of everybody. Um, for me, I get this kind of really nice pomegranate-y pomegranate kind of yeah. cranberry with the red fruits yeah. rather than kind of fresh um, cherries so I get that yeah. kind of the more sharper red fruit but they're mixed yeah. with that nice kind of earth it's earth for me I, um, 
typically, mystic. yeah, typically, so typically perfumed. Um, and yeah. I think aromatic Roses and for... uh, that, the best thing you can do if you want to understand Barolo or Barbaresco is go actually and and take loads of flowers, especially roses, and actually different types of roses and truffles. Truffles, truffles are a, yeah. I mean. So Do you smell I think, any truffles? I mean, I, think, I, I don't. I don't smell them in the wine, but no. for me, I think if you do want the best time of your life, <laughs> go to Barolo in you know now. Uh, I think truffle season is now. You know, it's very cheap to get there. Turin is a, a 50, 60 pound flight out of the UK. You can be down in Barolo in you know an hour, and uh, you can go and pick truffles with a dog and drink Barolo in the afternoon and. Uh, there's not very much more that a human could, could and I have need. Piemonte really. in general, but specifically around La Mora. La Mora was my favourite place in Barolo um, because you have to go in a car. Well, I suppose you could walk, but no one wants to do that. Um, you in a car, and I don't remember now because it was so many years ago, but it felt like ages going, twisting, weaving back and forth Lots and back hills, and forth yeah. until and you get right you to the top. Yeah. yeah. And Lamora is like built on this. I mean, the whole of Italy is on a hill, and the whole of Italy has everything built on, you know, everything's high. But you get to the top. Ooh, we are in uh, less 110 the Talavants. <laughs> we should thank them for hosting us. They are yeah, I'm tidying glad, uh, up. I'm glad you, Nina, said that pronunciation, <laughs> not me. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing it right, but they are tidying up. It's been, it's a Friday we're recording, and it has been a busy service, so uh, you can enjoy being here in reality, live with us, uh, whilst they smash loads of bottles. Um, but if you go to Lamora, we hope so. Um, um, Lamora is at the top of a hill and you can see it's just incredible rolling hill lands. Mm -hmm. It's a stunning, stunning place. Churches um, and oh. different pieces of scenery. I think that's what it's a, it's that's a, what I love most about that part of the world. Yeah. The, the culture and the slow food movement. And they're and very different. To it. You will never find um, it, depending on if that's a good thing or a bad thing for you, this is the most French place of Italy. Um, and the fact that they're not French, they're not Italian. They're from Piemonte, the Piemontese. Piemontese. Yeah. So they're their own they people. Their own they're very absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's different. It's different. And the food is sensational. Now these, all yeah. these wines, Nebbiolo, wines. Absolutely. absolutely. Nebbiolo is a very um, quite earthy, but also kind of feminine and perfume wine. It is perfect with pasta, truffle, Truffles. cheese. Yeah. cheese. Um, the, I think the, interestingly, go talking talking about the food. I can't remember the exact number, but both times I've been to. Both times I've been to Piemonte, I've done two days on my own, mm. and then two days I've had a lady called Valerie help mm. me out, who does, she's a, an American, yeah? Sorry, I, it's, it, <laughs> it, it has to happen. I didn't know she could sing, but I don't know, yeah. uh, I, don't know. I know, but I tried she's to. She's an American expat who now lives in the Lang, and she does a lot for the region, she blogs, and she does guided wine tours, so if anyone does want to go there, she's very affordable, good relationship. Yeah, so just why wineries. don't you call her? Valerie. Call her. Why don't you? Yeah. Why don't That's good. You? <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she should use that. Yeah, Valerie, you do need someone to do a. Why don't you come on over to Nina, Valerie? To the Lang. But, but, but yeah, it's the, the food, I can't remember exactly the number, but there's an insanely high number of Michelin star restaurants in in um, in Piemonte. And given that it's such a small area, mm. I think what that shows is the the focus on the farming and the, yeah. the food and the culture. They have a three-star Michelin. Do um, they really? Three -star I didn't restaurant, know Piazza Duomo, which is in Alba. Um, but I think that shows the focus on the farming, the history, the culture, and 
these wines just go perfectly with food. We, these are wines intended for with a meal with friends, mm. for socialising. That's what I think of them anyway. They do these amazing little pasta things and they literally, um, they stuff them. Yeah. Absolutely, that, that's kind of, yeah. and, and a lot of them, either they'll do like, they'll stuff them with cheese. Or game. Mm, and, and that was venison. absolutely. And I was going to say they either do it with just cheese, Beautiful. or they do it with cheese and and the and the venison, or, yeah. the, or the, the anyway any kind of meat. And remember, cheese and meat, it's everyone. It's the protein that the tannin is going to cut through. So that's kind of this is why you want to put it with it. And they do these in these little pasta, completely fresh, loads of butter over the top, and often like then they will hazelnut. take um, oh yum hazelnut. Mm. But they'll I always think they will often shred truffle over the top. Yep. And I mean it's just Which a is match pretty made. heavenly. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I think some. That pasta, I mean, this this would work so nicely, but it would have to. I, I think I'd want meat with it because they you know, also the, do, um, which is a traditional Piemontese dish. It's a sort of a chocolate salami, so it's a chocolate. So salami. it looks like I'm salami. Dro- it would it would 100% fool you into thinking it was salami, but it's dark chocolate, butter, sugar, biscotti. Oh, it's it's actually a complete dessert in the shape of a salami, cut oh. into slices. Wow, traditional Piemontese dessert. Yum. Good. Everyone needs to go. Good. So, do you like this wine? I think this is I re- think it's very good. This is 2014. I want to make a comment that actually, ironically, we both brought 2014 because really, 14 and 15 is what's in the market right now. Yeah. In ter- terms of aging requirements, Barolo needs three years of aging before it can be released, and and five years if it's um a reserver and I'm pretty sure Barbaresco needs two years of aging and then four really years if it's yeah, a, a reserver so it's just one year less um, but obviously keeping that in mind Barolo realistically we're 2019 now you might it's a you just yet yeah, re- I mean you might find a 16 on the market right now but I mean probably not yeah. so we have 14 and 50s 14 was actually not considered a great year it was a bit of a rainy you know meant they have to work harder so you have to pick your you know you have to pick your reliable producers um but i'm surprised i really i just i you know i'm not feeling that there's anything wrong with this i think for the price i'm really really happy with it i think the nose is expressive it's elegant i think what you said earlier affordable luxury that perfectly describes this wine for me if you spent 40 pound on this wine for a special occasion you definitely wouldn't be disappointed yeah, I think again the the acidity makes it very very. You have some more, but then we're <laughs> going to go into the other one. Um, I'm so the acidity is really kind of lively. It's super super lively, but at the same time the tannins, I think they they give you kind of re- it's really savoury. So the nose is prettier, really perfumed. You have that kind of sweet licorice. You said the tar, all that kind of nice sour, um, vibrant red fruit, and then the palate has this kind of. For me, it's like um, tea leaves, even tea leaves, um, yeah. maybe even like pot puree or yeah. something like that. Um, yeah. But it's aromatic, it's pretty, it's lovely, but it still it packs a punch. Nebbiolo. And for anyone who doesn't know, Nebbiolo. Almost a bit like Pinot Noir. There is so many similarities almost with Pinot Noir. Um, you will never find, even if you're trying to blind taste, um, it is the, it's big in everything but colour. Yeah. And this is perfect. Definitely. You'll always find like a garnety, orangey, rusty rim. Um, and I think that this is, this really shows that, like it sort starts like brick, ruby. Brick yeah, colored, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's really see-through. It's really, really pale, but it's always a surprise. You put it, it mm-hmm. and in fact, I always find the first sip, especially here, it feels like, oh, no, this is light. It's not much going on. And then, and pow, then middle pad it yeah. attacks you. And then the length, and the length is actually pretty long on this. It just on goes this. on. For, for this really, one, that's what I was thinking. Even from the first sip, it, it just goes on and on and develops and... 
And I have to for say, for me, that's a sign of a, a, a good wine. The tannins, considering they are high, they are big, which is yeah, totally big. normal. We're not eating this with food, and actually, it's leaving. It's they're very elegant. Yeah, <laughs> it's doubt. bearable. Well, we, we came from. We just we just came from a morning of drinking highly tannic Napa cabs and yeah. when, by the time I arrived here my mouth felt like a prune it was so big and chunky when high we sort alcohol. of take this into consideration the tannins are manageable they're not um, they're not these sort of you know really harsh gritty tannins that sometimes can be associated with with Nebbiolo they're uh, they're much more much more approachable. Actually, I'm just looking on the back. Barolo can often be quite high in alcohol as well. High alcohol, t- high tannin, high acid for the body, you know, everything apart from the colour. And actually, it's 13.5, which I think is really, um, it's, you know, middle, middle of the row. However, do remember, it doesn't feel alcoholic, very happy with it. Remember, if anyone doesn't know, they actually have a leeway of 0.5 degrees in alcohol on the labelling so process. They can so lie. Could, could be a 14 but um anyway which mine is which yours is okay so let's okay we're gonna go now to yours please what did you bring so i bought um a bottle which i bought from the estate okay when i visited uh, maybe four months ago yeah chiara boskis who we talked about earlier mm-hmm. who has been viva la viva la chica she calls herself the, the barolo bitches Oh, I love that. You know, you've got the Barolo boys who changed yeah. the, from traditionalist and to she modernist. she was the only, the only, uh, the the only bitch. female. She was the Barolo bitch. We love her. And now the Barolo bitches, you know, um, Isabella Odero, Claudia Cigletti, who's Barbaresco, more mm-hmm. Barolo, but Chiara Boskis, um, Silvia Altare. Well, actually, you've now got, I don't remember her full name. Um, in fact, I'm terrible with names of Barolo. Um, um, help me, Bartolo. Amaro um, uh, Mascarello. Mascarello. Bartolo Mascarello. And now, unfortunately, he died as well. Yep, he was a proper traditionalist as well. I think Maro, he died. Maro is making the wines now. Maro? Ma- I th- her daughter, I believed, was kind of her. Her daughter is um, Marie Teresa or something like that. Maybe I'm pronouncing Marie wrong. <laughs> By calling her Marrow, <laughs> which is definitely a man's. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced. Anyone, to let, go, go and invest. I'm pretty sure. Go so invest, yeah, yeah. again, um, he is one of the most famous um, Barolo producers, and I believe it's Mon his daughter. Is his famous vineyard. Of course, and Monprovato is. I oh, see. So you say Canubi, but I mean Monprovato, no, Monprovato is considered is amazing. The, uh, one of the grand crew of of Barolo, but I yeah. think a wine that one is extremely expensive, two needs so much time to actually mm. show itself mm-hmm. that it's it's something I suppose could be considered considered a little bit unapproachable. And again, remember, all of us in general are drinking Barolo too young. Too young. Really, the ideal is kind of I think wait ten oh. years. But I have to say, I'm sorry. Someone did I, once say to me that. Good wine is like a marriage. And okay, I'm interested. What do you? What does that mean? You wouldn't get married to someone and wait for ten years for it to be good. <laughs> you would want it to be good from day one. But it would be great that if in ten years it's still really good. It would good be and great. It would be great way. if in ten years you know you're having a great marriage and it's all good. But if you have to wait five years for your marriage to get good, is it worth? Uh, is it worth the investment? I think that for me is that's a valid point, wine. and I—that's hence why I'm very much more new world. It's because I'm not very patient, and I want to take a vintage as soon as it's released and taste it. I will say anyway that this, uh, the Fontana Freda that we just tasted at 2014, is really enjoyable now, yeah. and it's cracking. So quite clearly, it's perfect. 
paying £39, you're not disappointed. Yeah. So let's taste this. Go and back. presumably so, you don't know how much this would be to buy in I the do. UK. I do. do you? Okay. So Wet. this is, again, Chiara Boskis. Wine is organic from Moscone, which okay. is in Monforte de Alba. Mm -hmm. Which is and down now, in the south part of yeah. Barolo, whereas Serralunga de Alba is in the east bit, and yeah. a little bit further north. So Moscone is kind of the hot-to-trot vineyard that everybody is trot. sort of buying up. So okay. Pio Cesare just bought up land in Moscone okay. uh, to make their first single vineyard bottled wine for a long time. Chiara Boskis has bought up land in Moscone, so it's... Um, yeah, I bought this from the estate. I think in the UK, maybe 75, 73 pounds. Oh, Josh has like treated me today. <laughs> yeah, my only bottle of it. So That's nice. Always nice to... I bought it from the estate. We went to visit Chiara Boskis maybe three, four months ago. And when I got there, we were greeted by someone who works with her. And she was actually loading wine to a truck for a shipment, which shows just how involved in the winemaking process she is. Luckily I was I was fortunate enough to grab her at the end of the visit and she took me for a little bit of a walk around some of the vineyards and showed me the organic work that she's doing. But she actually with Kanubi, so we've got Kanubi and then within Kanubi we've got Kanubi Boskis, mm -hmm. Kanubi Moscatel. But I think there's around thirty four producers that make wine out of Kanubi and she managed to convince thirty three of them to be organic That's so amazing. she's done a lot of work in terms of pushing no you know no damaging sort of herbicides pesticides to the environment and i just i just find her wines elegant memorable mm -hmm. and i love the work she does okay and to be honest yeah. interesting so this for me straight away is 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 more powerful and more concentrated but also far more tannic far more muscular far more far more intense and considering they're the same year i want to drink two week the, fermentation okay it's now i'm not sure about the fontana freda but the fontana freda which i do know is one year in older in in um mm -hmm. french oak small oak barrels and two years in big 2000 liter old oak casks so there's a bit of a mix before it's um come out do you know about aging so i did for a little the, bit of research yeah. for um for this one before so moscone's 0.8 hectares so tiny 370 meters above sea level so good good altitude south facing exposure as you would you would expect expect so yeah. two week fermentation mm -hmm. lightly toasted french oak one third new one third second use mm -hmm. and one third three plus uses which i think does show i don't think, I think it's there but to be honest again it's all about the fruit it's not overpowering no. it's still fruity and then uh 24 months before aging a year in bottle so but i definitely think I think about four thousand bottles yeah. Just trying to think how many cases. 800 cases. This um, is definitely the kind of wine that will age for a really long time. Absolutely. I would say 100%. the Fontana Freda one is ready to drink now and would definitely be great for another five years. And then at five years, it may uh, start to I think fade it, off you're a right. Bit, yeah. Whereas this, I think you could appreciate it now, but really, you know, because well, we're all impatient, we're millennials. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but really, actually, <laughs> well, I told myself I was going to wait ten years for this. Well, and, and I'm you, drinking it now. Yay! So. Cheers! Thank you so <laughs> cheers. much for bringing it. Um, but I think that this would be at its like ready to drink. Actually, probably in five years, yeah. and then have another ten years after Absolutely. that. I think she, you know, she is definitely sort still of of in that. You know, I, I, we talk about traditionalists and modernists, but actually, everyone's so much more of a a, a mix these days. Apart from people like I don't know, 
Renato well, Ratti. He's like a crazy, like much more kind of modernist. Interestingly, but when I was when I was sort of last there, I talked a lot to the producers about this sort of modernist, traditionalist sort of divide. And what I found when I talked to a lot of the producers when I was there was that actually the the happy medium is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And sort of you know. Some producers tend to use the, the big body and some use the French oak, some use both, some are experimenting with amphora. I went to Marcelino. Re- okay, Marcelino is okay, okay. And um, you know, they experimenting with different types of fermentation. And I think actually what they're finding is the sort of the modernist movement introduced I suppose a new way of doing things, challenging things. Yeah. But then you don't need to take away from the traditionalists, and no. they found a happy medium somewhere yeah. in the middle. So, and I, I, I would say this is a happy medium. I would as well. Actually, yeah. um, I love this is much darker. Ironically, on the nose, I actually do get more dark fruit. There's like, yeah, more a kind bit of, of cassis. Not, not, I, I don't know. Cassis, I was gonna, yeah, I'd go more, but yeah, I'd go more black, black cherries or yeah. something like that. But then at the same time, there's a little bit of that raspberry coming through. Um, I totally get again the the, the licorice tar, um, yeah. which is which I would expect. It just seems to be one of those tasting notes that, no matter how the wine is made, you, you still get that that note. So. But on the palate, much more red fruit. You need to um, look like she's enjoying it, by the way, for anyone who obviously <laughs> can't see the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's good. We you know we never comment on my faces. I, John's horrible. He never he never observes. Um, <laughs> But Learning is. curve, John. You need to observe faces. Well, that's if he's not dead. I yeah. mean, oh, God. I hope he's not. I, Jim, honest, wouldn't you be awful if we released this and then we did find out he got is. dead? That would oh. be awful. Um, if you don't are, worry, you're everyone. missing out, John. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're eating meat and cheese as well. So. Hopefully he's in heaven. Like, drink, to be honest, he's like... Drinking drink, Barolo? No. Oh, he won't be drinking Barolo. He'll be drinking Burgundy. Oh, he'll be okay. drinking white Burgundy. Okay. He is a Burgundy slut. So okay. he'll be like laughing, like, check you, I, check you guys out. I think out. I'm a Barolo whore, though. Oh, yeah, okay. But he'll be like, whoop, 75 pounds on a bottle of Barolo. I get it for free. You know, like, so he'll, <laughs> I be, wish I did, he'll be very happy. If Chiara wouldn't give it for free. But I'm I will say, when I was there, sort of tasted through a couple of vintages, and the day before we'd been with uh, Claudia Cicletti and Barbaresco, mm-hmm. who'd done a blind tasting for us and of older vintages. And when we told Chiara that Claudia would give us older vintages... With all these women he's been talking to. <laughs> all of a sudden, Chiara brought out some... Some other wines and some more interesting uh, older vintages. So, just need to. That's what you need you to do when you visit wineries. I have yeah. to say, this has got this like, great nice musk. This is a great muskiness to it. It's almost like, you yeah. know, when it rains and then that like um, that, that smell, smell the from the rain. Yeah. That's kind of a little bit like wet soil, but it's warm and it's Mediterranean and it's yummy and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's got that. Along Absolutely. with the tip, but it's just it's it's again it's still for me. Barolo's always pretty, but I have to say this is grippy as hell. It's it's really muscular, yeah, it and is. it will really develop. I think that's its youth. I think. Oh, um, for sure. Why didn't you bring an older vintage? For, <laughs> Sorry. For older we'll vintage, we'll have to do a revisit of the podcast, yes. and we'll do for older vintages. I do that, have some older vintages. Oh, okay. Uh, so. Next next podcast at Josh's house. Um, for anyone who's interested in slightly older vintages, um, from my knowledge, definitely drink 1996 to 2001. Yeah, that was a nice big run, so that makes things really, really easy. Obviously, without going into detail, but just general, 1996 to 2001. 1996 is pleasant as well. Yeah. Then, 
2002, just horrendous. Just mm. don't even bother at all. 2002, 2003 wasn't great. And then again, everything was kind of okay for a decent amount of time, but it kind of goes in two. So as far as I know, 2004, 2008, 2010 apparently was banging. Um, yeah, 2010 is good. I like 2010 across Europe, to be honest. Yeah, to be, to be honest, actually. I like it in Bordeaux, yeah, I like it in Burgundy, yeah, I like is, it in Brona. Yeah, very, very true. It'd be interesting to see what 2018 is like for the whole of Europe when we get there, considering it was just hot for everybody. I'd like to see yeah. how that affects everyone, but I, I digress. And then obviously we're drinking 14, which is ironically um, controversial, but we're doing okay. Um, 2015 was supposed to be lovely. So um, if you're well, impatient... 15 and you... is very good. Uh, I like Burgundy 15. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm sure Rolo Barbaresco will be good. Not, not that far apart, although you say that, not literally. That not that far apart, that but far. to be honest, you look, if you look at vintage charts of Barbaresco and Barolo, they're like, you know, 15 minutes drive apart and they will get different ratings. You know, they, you do, you one time it can be raining in one and it's not raining Absolutely. in the other. You, you, know? you visit the producers sometimes and they'll say, well, that was bad for Barolo, but actually and we didn't get the hail. We didn't get the yeah, hail that hit Rolo, yeah. so actually in Barbaresco, the wines were, were fantastic. So mm -hmm. you, it is worth paying attention to the differences between the vintage charts because they're obviously, Barbaresco is much closer to the Tanaro River, which is where the, the main differences yeah. come in with the the, um, the heat implications of being close to the river. So the vintages are very different. What's, what's bad in Barbaresco might not be bad in Brolo and the... But then remember, and this is what I always say, I think vintages, until, unless you're going to become a massive collector, truthfully, I, I don't care about vintages. And yeah. somebody might argue with me on that one, but I'll tell you why. No. Because, I think you have a good point. Because on a rubbish year, if, if 2014 is, first of all, not supposed to be that great a year, we're drinking two wines that are tasting yummy. Yeah. What will often happen, What's for a instance, when yeah, what will happen if it rains a lot? Maybe part of their vineyards in Barolo will not be so good to go in their top wine. So then they will put it down a category to the Lang, which, as we've yep. already talked about, the DOC, which is just a much bigger region which is that like kind what the of covers. Del Barbaresco, what yeah, they do. So mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't know, they make uh, nine single vineyard wines any year when the vintage is bad. Inverted commas. They declassify all the wine, mm -hmm. so even if if it's bad for one vineyard, it's bad for all of them. Yeah. They declassify all the wine, and they make it into Langinabiola. Yeah, and often it's absolutely beautiful. And so it's just not got the typicity mm -hmm. of. Uh, and so you'll always have oil. that the the tip the the kind of pretty flavours. You might not necessarily the concentration, and it might not age as well. And as I always say to people, considering we're also impatient most of us who cares about aging we actually want to drink it now so often you can have a really good lang wine um so if you know your producers and pay attention just literally by googling who are the best producers of brollo and then want to go and find something you know you don't even need to know that much i'd also say as well adero is a good choice who? For any, adero oh adero okay for anybody who wants to sort of just explore i think they're available in waitrose i visited adero okay and, uh, I think they may. It's very traditional Brawler, um, but I think very good wine. Vietti. Vietti were the first yeah, people to do um, single vineyard cruise in like, they, they were the first uh, people in 1960. And what, oh God, they do, yeah. don't they? Um, in fact, I really like their really Arnaz, their white. Um, but they often have, they have Lang wines as well um, that are not bad price. The other places to look would be um, Rorero, which is on the other side of the river, um, and Nebbiolo de Alba. Nebbiolo de Alba is basically Rorero, but just, it's the whole of Rorero and a little bit bigger. So 
people can choose how they want to label it. In, Ruera, in, in Nebbiolo de Alban, it has to be 100% Nebbiolo, whereas Barrera, I think, is 95%, um, but that's not too much of a difference. Lang can be 75% um, Nebbiolo and the rest made up of, diff, or the, of the other different varieties, but yeah. apparently the majority is pretty much is Nebbiolo because most people are yeah, just it ten, it tends to be just classifying yeah. their grapes from Barolo and Barbaresco so yeah. as a general rule you do you know and it actually tends to be quite interesting because for me like I've I've actually hunted down bottles of Prodatori from yeah. from years where they've declassified all their wine mm. because I know in that year actually they've declassified all their grapes and it's still going to be really tasty Yeah. so I want to find that year and that's the same for, for Langanibiolo. It tends to be really, really good wine and really affordable. And anyway, then obviously the story goes on. We, you know, you can see find Nebbiolo Arpach. I mean, really, you'll only ever find Nebbiolo in the northwest of Italy. You can find a little bit in Lombardy. You can find a little bit in Val d'Oasta. Which is where they um, think it may, that's theory of where it may have found its A little bit north. Lombardy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's often named as Span up there. Um, so you can sometimes find some good, good uh, versions up there, but. Where should people go for New World Nebbiolo? Well, apparently Mexico, but I haven't done uh, the research. I, I would, I would, I was going to say yes, and I was going to say, were you talking about Henschke? Yeah, yeah. Henschke. I um, haven't tried it, but I would absolutely just from knowing that the way they make wine. Um, I thought that's what I was going to be uh, fooled with by someone. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought someone was going to try and fool me with uh, Henschke. I would, but in general, I feel like Australia. In general, I think they're doing well with their Italian varieties, mm-hmm. um, and I think that if anyone. It, and just because of course they're, they've got the techniques like I've heard this thing about Mexico but it's not like they I don't think they've got as much money I don't think they have as much investment and I think that will always stop them whereas Australia is ready to experiment and play around so I think yeah. that would be the, the country so, yeah. that is going to that would come up next if it was going to do it but quite clearly Nebbiolo is fussy and it's awkward and um, fussy there's a re- is probably the word that you know, we haven't used so far no, but it's, but it's it, definitely a fussy grape right and that's why people say it doesn't travel well no, I've, I've liked both of these wines so one thing we didn't touch on, and I just want to finish up for anybody who doesn't actually know who Josh is. You are just this crazy, ridiculous wine lover who has literally dedicated Love any, yeah, exactly, any spare time into knowing about wine. Yeah. Which actually, I what I like is that you actually genuinely know about wine um, because you've literally become obsessed about wine right yeah Um, uh... so tell me this is what we didn't actually and we normally do this at the beginning of the episode but we got too excited about Nebbiolo just (laughs) in a just in a very short amount of time um what 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 got you into wine and how did you get onto Instagram and why did you merge the two yeah that's a good point so I think I think I've been interested in wine for probably maybe three years ah so still very new very new I've taken I remember drinking wine long before three years but see guys any of you can get into wine absolutely come and talk with come and talk with us here (laughs) yeah so i think maybe three years ago i really got into thinking okay there's something there's something more to wine yeah that i haven't sort of explored before Mm. and then i think if if i sort of took all the things that i've always liked through my life um history culture traveling people socializing if I put this them all together, the, I think this is the thing that wine this is what holds it together. together. Wine I is like the glue that holds all of those things Absolutely. together. Wine I, is life. As I've, it, it is. It is wine now, is it life. Is. It is. But um, I think as I've, I, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole and touched upon learning Never about wine, and now yeah, I think a year ago I started the blog, 
So you started the blog, to... or, so that that was separate to Instagram, writing about uh, things. No, no, you're right. So I, I started the at the exact time I started the Instagram was when I started the blog. And the blog is www.wordonthegrapevine.co.uk. He's giving me a face like, maybe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just Google it quickly because I mean, it's either that or .com, right? No, it's, it's. I'm pretty certain it's. So you started the two, but you have done so well. .co.uk. People are really getting behind you, aren't they? I think what I've, what I've enjoyed is, and I think what people have resonated with is, because I'm not in the industry. I have no ties and he's a brummie any, any if anyone hasn't and, yeah, he's a brummie so there is actually a, a guy <laughs> who I connect with on Instagram um, I don't actually know his real name his Instagram handle is Zulu Blue Zulu for those who don't know is the inter- informal name for the sort of fans of the Birmingham City okay okay and he sort of commented on one of my videos and said oh it's nice to see a brummie talking about wine and, um, and that was it. That you was were, it. You we were, were best off. friends then, and we're planning. I'm actually planning a trip to Sweden to see him next year. That's amazing. But, um, but yeah, I think what people like about the Instagram and why I've gained such a good sort of engagement is I'm not I'm not attached to wine. I'm not associated to wine in terms of being paid. I just really like wine and talk about it. Yeah. And I think people resonate with that because they see well, actually, he's not selling us something he's paid to sell us. He's just talking about what he loves mm. and. And yeah, so I started the Instagram a year ago at the same time as I started the blog. And I think I did that just to, I think just share my journey with people. Yeah. And I didn't expect it to grow in the way it has grown. Um, But I have to say... I thought maybe I might get a thousand followers by the end of the year. Well, I have to say the wines you're tasting are pretty delicious. (laughs) So for anyone who's not following Josh already, (laughs) I guess you should go to At Word on the Grapevine and you can see all the wines that in general you can't afford, but he's tasting them for (laughs) us. And I get told off for buying. Uh, Yeah, exactly. He gets in trouble, so at least we know that. So, no, but it's great. It's amazing and it's nice to share the journey. And I just want to... What I try to do is when I I share those wines, instead of just being sort of like, you know, I'm drinking this wine, look how great it is. What I sort of try and do is tell a story about the wine or tell a story about something within the wine and you know so people can educate yeah. right and I have noticed you're, and I think that is the difference if you go on Josh's Instagram he doesn't just post a picture going oh my god totes yum or amazing uh, wow uh, uh, great Thanks. Friday night wine put it with steak it's actually yeah. like have you heard about this crew this crew yeah. this is the history this is the winemaker this is the trouble they went through it this is mm-hmm. so you really can you know I'm too tired to read most of your posts but the ones I do I'm <laughs> loving yeah because I post are, early in the morning do you post so, early in the morning anyway yeah. uh, I do see them and they're always very, very good. So Josh doesn't let you down. Instagram's He's... A... Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, you... oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Instagram's a shitstorm. Uh, <laughs> we love a bit of swearing. Uh, of influencers, inverted commas. But um, it's uh, hopefully what I'm trying to do is sort of be a wine communicator that's not talking shit. And actually, and I'm, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Um, but I have to say, actually, I know of two of the articles that are on josh's blog which are actually very interesting which i would personally point to which is one you discussing the differences between um an influencer and yeah. a wine communicator yeah. as josh would like to point out and it is very interesting to actually think about that we're very quick to judge on anybody who's not necessarily in the industry of anything really um yeah, how just, do they know what wine. they're talking about yeah, when and wine. i think that's very interesting and the other one that you put up just recently um yes, was on yeah, yeah. actually finding out if people are fakes yeah. or not which God, I need. He, uh, Josh is going to teach me all about Instagram in a minute, so I can uh, 
can can understand it. Um, and if you're not following me, please follow me. I'd like more followers because I've got an ego. So satisfy that at eat sleep underscore wine repeat. Um, thank I'll you. I'll show you on. I'll show you on mine. So. Oh bless you, Josh. You're amazing. Thank you for bringing the delicious yeah. seventy five pound Barolo. We'll, we'll revisit and I'll uh, I'll bring something old. Thank you. Um, and obviously from John's side, he says hello. Whether he's yeah, thanks, from home, is stuck Wherever in traffic in heaven, he says hello. So thank you ever so much for listening. We'll catch you on another Cheers. episode of Unfiltered. Cheers. Cheers.